Trish, I'll see you on Friday. Jason, I'll see you soon. Wait, so you guys are going to Mexico this week? I'm leaving on Wednesday. She leaves on Friday. Uh We're such rock stars. I'm so jealous. You know, you used to be like us, but then you're like, I want to procreate. And now look where (laughs) we are. Hi, welcome to Outrageous, a podcast where we talk about race, media, culture, politics, and everything in between. My name is Chris, I'm in New York City, and I'm joined by my very best friends, Trisha in LA. Hello. And Jason in DC. Hey, you two. (laughs) Hey, everybody, what's up? And now for the question that I wait all week to ask you. How you doing, (laughs) Jason? I am good. Good, good. (laughs) I good. am good. Trisha? Oh, fuck. I was worried that my internet connection was unstable and it started to become unstable as soon as you As soon as we start the recording. It was perfect before. It was. <laughs> Listeners, we've been chatting for about 20 minutes on which Trisha was crystal clear HD 4K. But now suddenly, suddenly we're on dial up. Anyway, Trisha, how you doing? I'm okay because apparently my neighbors have all decided to start using the internet right now. <laughs> You're it's, also really fortunate that they're not blasting music because at some point in time, they just decide to go insane and blast a lot of music really loudly. And I just, Is it good music at least? Is it good? I, it sounds like a video game. Oh, that's, that's like, not music, that's honey. Like, no, that's a fun. different kind of thing. If you're not thing. playing, that's not fun. Also, I don't mind... I, I don't mind music from another at a at a at an okay time i don't mind music coming in from other apartments like i live in new york i get it you got you give to get but like things like video games because like it's non-rhythmic and there's explosions or voices and like i it's like hard to acclimate to that sound have either of you ever had ever ever called the police for a noise complaint no no not a noise complaint I did oh, one. I, did I was going to say, I could tell by his face. I I t- it was just said. once. It was just once. And, and I'll tell you, lesson. I, 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 it was fine. The it thing about fun. it, it was like three in the morning. I was on Long Island. This wasn't like in the city. This was a house across an avenue. It was that loud. It was That's super. Different. It was like, like plane taking off loud. I don't know what they were doing over there. Did I'll you, tell you though, ask politely before you called the police? Nah, oh. nah, I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't. You know what? I, I don't. You're no abolitionist, are you? I don't want to say yeah. too much, but That's like, yeah. nope, nope. It was a, it was a house full of, um, how can I put this? It, it was, um, young mm, white men. It, yes, but you know, maybe it was a house full of white men who, you know, aren't the most educated. Let's just leave it there. Uh, so. I was not comfortable going over there at three o'clock in the morning and knocking the door and asking them anything. But you know, when you call the police for a noise complaint, they come to your place first. <laughs> so everybody knows who calls. Yep. Yep. And then they, they're like, and they, it's totally, they're like, so are you the one who called? I'm like, yes, you know that. Cause I gave my address. They're like, okay, work. Then they went across the street. I was like, fantastic. Now I have to move. <laughs> you know what? That explains why. I hate your neighbor or that show on my, on the ID channel works because it does generate agita between the neighbors. Absolutely. It's a secret. 
should be a little I, I don't know I guess maybe you need to be responsible I guess I mean if you were truly responsible and neighborly you would intervene you done it yourself right but since we have a society where people can have guns I probably wouldn't do that but if it was basically a knifing situation I probably would I probably would say hey can you turn this down to review you said if it was a knifing situation you would feel comfortable <laughs> You have to be really close for a knife to be effective. So I'm trying to be far away. Well, are you going to knock was... and then step back 10 feet? Yes, what are you talking step. about? And yes, that's the sense of control I might have. I might, I'm going to knock, step back 10 feet and, and speak. But, you know, listen, aren't you not, you're not thinking of these logistics? If I'm making complaints, I don't know how people are going to respond. I have to come up with a backup plan. But as long as, you, as long as they don't have a gun, you're fine with it. I mean, relative <laughs> They can come to out that. with a big kitchen knife, and that's fine. I mean, maybe. Oh, my God. There's a lot was... of dodging I might have to do for <laughs> <laughs> In our discussion about <laughs> confronting your neighbors, we talk about defensive stances to take from knife attacks. Oh, I America, mean, where have you arrived? <laughs> arrived been i know i was gonna say maybe well i don't know you know i mean our neighbors are actually pretty lovely people um they bring us cognac and things like that it's really nice but we haven't it's not contentious and i'm really grateful for it because i think i i I see contentious neighbor interactions and it just ruins your entire it sucks because you live there jason do you know your neighbors you live in like a nice tree-lined street as i sit here i feel so inadequate I, you know because that's the question i was thinking about because i just will acknowledge so my parents you know another generation their community they know all their neighbors and so they have a gathering at their house and they're like oh they said we can use their driveway and they we can use their driveway and you know they're all like they have events they're all going to each other's houses and playing poker and stuff i say hello <laughs> I know some of their names. <laughs> I've never been in any of their houses. None of them have been in my house. Like, and I, I, it's one of these things I feel deeply that I should, like it's, there's every good reason to know your neighbor, right? Both for selfish reasons and, and communal reasons. Mm-hmm. And yet I just don't feel comfortable enough to like really go that far. I hear that. I know I hear that. I hear that. I don't, I don't know why. I, I, I feel... Just, like when I go out of my house, I'll be honest, I feel a little social anxiety. I'm always like, oh, should I wave? Are they going to wave back? And <laughs> too much. So That's basics. It's I'm the sorry. basics I, that you're I'm struggling just, I'm with. Being very candid with you. No, don't apologize. I, I This is a safe space, safe, intimate space. It's just the three of us. Uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 I get it. You don't necessarily want to invite your neighbors into your life because as Trisha pointed out, they could have knives and shit. So, <laughs> although that's not what it is, like I, th- I'm just a, what I think I'm just a you? wuss. Like I'm just a wuss. That's all. What do you think is going to happen? They're going to be like, "Hey, loser! Uh, we hate that you live next door to us." I mean, this isn't an, an '80s movie, and you're not. No, in high school. I just feel awkward. There's no rational. There's no rational reason. I just feel kind of awkward. I mean, I've introduced myself to my neighbor. She moved in like six, seven months ago. Uh, I never saw her again. Which in New York is how we like it. But I do know that if I needed to knock on her door, she's seen my face. I've seen hers. There isn't going to be that weird thing like, who the hell is at my door? You know, um, generally, uh, yeah, neighbors, good luck with them, I guess. I mean, well, it reminds me of that. You remember that Seinfeld when he's like, I can't let you in. 
I don't know who you are. Like a guy trying to get into his building and it turns out the guy lives next door. And it's like, mm. <laughs> I feel that. I do remember that. I feel that. I do remember that. All right, everyone, let's jump into our topic today. So we were chatting about the show Abbott Elementary, which ended its first season amidst so much fanfare that I think it immediately got a second season. Quinta Brunson, who is, I feel like she came to prominence, I want to say on The Daily Show, but am I, I'm, I'm, nope, that's Amber Ruffin, right? Yep. Um, Quinta Brunson, I don't remember how she came into. I mean, she did stand up BuzzFeed. She was like a regular on their like funny video series. Yeah. So nevertheless, Quinta Brunson, who's a black woman, she had written this. Uh, oh, sitcom. Black Lady Sketch Show. Sorry. Black Lady oh, Sketch she's show. from Black Lady Sketch yeah, yeah, yeah. Show. Great. Perfect. So she had written the show about an elementary school. Um, which mostly in a, in a black neighborhood, it's all black kids at the school and just the trials and travails and comedic stylings of the staff. The show has gotten a lot of positive press because people feel that it is a fair representation of what like schools in those kinds of neighborhoods are dealing with while still being lighthearted and fun, which just got us to the point, like thinking about representation of educational systems and and educational um, structures in media and what it looks like. First of all, we've all seen Abbott Elementary, right? Mm -hmm. Trisha, what were your, what were your initial thoughts? I just found it delightful. I found it kind of surprisingly unproblematic and kind of like sweet. And I was thinking to myself that I was going to get bored because I, I was like, Oh, is this not edgy enough for me? But I've, I feel like I've been charmed by it. And I do see all the things that they talk about as obviously flaws in the education system and all the things, you know, the lack of funding, all of it. But I think what's been really appealing to me is, um, which is horrible to say out loud, how human everyone is. (laughs) What do you mean? I mean, like there was a particular episode where a child was not showing up on time. The teacher was having anxiety about talking to the parent. And I just knew that the cliche would be to have that Black parent come in, sashay in, and have an attitude with the teacher and get in a certain, have a certain kind of, and it just wasn't that. I mean, they just totally flipped it and did something completely different. And, and I was pleasantly surprised and really enjoyed that. And so I think what's been interesting for me is that I'm, I'm always a little bit surprised by the choices they make because it's disarming choices and it's humane choices. And mm-hmm. so that's, 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 it's pulled me in for that reason. Jason, what about you? What you say really rings true for me. I find it delightful. I really enjoy it. I, I you know, it reminds me when I first started teaching and I would be around my, my many friends who were teachers, I can remember us saying there should be a catch 22 about teaching mm-hmm. because catch 22 is this great book about the absurdity of some of the aspects of military culture and, and that kind of thing. Uh, it wasn't that good. That is arguably my favorite book. Oh, shit. All right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now we have to re- All right. I'm going to have to repair this after the what? episode. Go anyway. Go ahead. Please don't get derailed. What was I saying? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, but no, I now this when I watch this, I'm like, this is what we wanted. And and look, it's obviously it's obviously extreme. It's a caricature. But there is a lot of absurdity, just just like there is in, in, you know, the office, right, was the absurdity of corporate work. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of absurdity and dysfunction in, in education. Parks in and school. Rec is the absurdity in, of in local, local government. Local government, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so I think it does a really good job with that. I think Quinta Brunson, she really captures that kind of 
that kind of character, just like mm-hmm. those two, two shows we just said. Um, if there's a critique to be had, in my opinion, I do think there's just, I hear what you're saying, Trish, and I think you're right. Like it does make interesting choices, but there is a clear contrast in the culture and values of the student and mm-hmm. family population, as opposed to the, uh, the, the teachers at the school. And I, that's interesting to me. I mean, I, I wonder if there are people who watch it and are offended by that. Um, I don't, I'm not offended by it, but it, it walks the line. Like, I think it comes close to the line, if that's a fair thing to say. What line? Even the example you gave, Trisha, which I do like how they resolved it in the show, but it was kind of like, oh, this parent doesn't seem to know when the school day starts, doesn't seem to value the child being in school, thinks it's fine to miss an hour every day. That, and that there are other examples like that where it's like, okay, you know, you have a, I mean, the very first episode, you know, you have a child purposely urinate on a rug. Uh, now that can happen in, in schools, but I don't know. I mean, I think an argument, I'm not making the argument, but I think an argument could be made that the way that I'm going to use this, you know, in quotes, inner city school student populations behave, or again, kind of values like the, the, the stereotypes there, I think you could argue show up in the show. I, I think you're reading way too much into that. At the end of the day, this is not a documentary. It's a comedy about an elementary school. And what the, the, the situation that you're describing, I think if you dig too deep, this is going to sound funny because I'm going to shift the conversation. You'd be like, well, now you're digging too deep, Chris. I think if you dig too deep, you're going to get lost. Because I think those the individual characters and events you're talking about are comedic. And the thing that, the, talking about this parent, I think this was the third or fourth episode. Something I think like that, that about this parent is that like, yeah, it was, it's just classic misdirection in comedy. We expected her to be like a lion and defend her choices and defend her. But another, the teacher was nervous about approaching her. She was approaching, she's like, oh, he has to get there on time. Okay, work, I'll do that. You know, that was the comedy. But I want to ask you guys this question because I, I'm harkening back to our conversation about Batman a couple of weeks ago. And just in general, we've had this, we've had the conversation about comedy on this podcast several times. Yeah. But I wonder, like when we, and I don't know the word for this, hilarious, like when we make things funny, this is the John Stewart problem. When we make things funny, is it easier to ignore the impact that that has in real life? For instance, so much of the humor from this show comes to the fact like our school in the city, you know, in center city, Philly is underfunded. So much of the humor comes from that. And so much about how the staff makes do and all the choices they make and how hard they have to fight. You know, the one episode has them making TikToks to get donations in, et cetera, et cetera. Is making this funny like shifting like the actual attitudes we have towards these things are do you think there'd be less compassion no not at all Tell i mean me i actually think it increases that because i think listen let's let's move away from thinking about this as an issue based issue as an issue based challenge right <laughs> the idea is life happens and i think part of what has been refreshing about this is that they're not victims if you want to paint people as victims of, of um, underfunding, there are lots of places that are underfunded. That's just the nature of living in this country, unfortunately, right? And so the question for us is what are we gonna do? How are we gonna go about our lives? How are we gonna still be resilient, which I hate, but how are we gonna just move through the day? 
it's kind of like when we see shows where they're featuring black people and everybody thinks the black person don't go whoa it's me i'm black so side blah 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 <laughs> but our lives are black and so underfunded and you know that's that's really the nature of that because i think you can let's contrast it to say um <laughs> 90210 oh right very privileged kids yeah barely inhabiting school you know we you know and so it's like we didn't make any judgment calls necessarily about any kinds of things about those people but somehow because we're talking about inner city kids and whatever we want to sort of like extrapolate all these big themes and all these other things about it and i think what the show manages to say is listen we're in these buildings not everything works the way we want to but we're going to keep the lights on we're going to provide for these kids we're going to do it with some good humor and we're going to keep it moving and that's what we've been doing okay jason where are you on that do you think what's the impact of making this funny so i don't i i agree with trisha in that i don't think there's an impact from the show now if I sit and think about it, it's really frustrating that we as a society are so complacent with nepotism and uh, inequitable funding and all of those things. I mean, it's really bad. Shame on us, like really shame on us. But I don't think the show, I mean, we all know, I don't think there's anyone in the country that has any illusions, no matter where they sit politically, that we underfund certain schools and overfund others and that people don't always get principal jobs based on merit. I mean, that's all baked into our system, unfortunately. I don't think this show is having an impact one, or the, one way or the other. Just shame on us. And, and again, to, to talk about some of the other, these like mockumentary shows, they all have elements like that, right? Where some of it's like, God, yeah, this is hilarious because it's so ridiculous that we tolerate these things in our society. But we do. And I don't think the show's making a difference one way or the other about that. Well, maybe I'm being too precious, but like the other mockumentary shows, like you think about Modern Family, Office, um, and uh, Parks and Rec, which is lampooning like family life, uh, office life, local government. I don't know. For me, the stakes seem lower. I, maybe it's because this is specifically around Black people. But like I, I'm thinking about the Jon Stewart effect. Like The Daily Show had a massive effect on, I'll just say the neutral word, informing people of political stuff, but then also instruct them to laugh at it. And I don't know. I think we're still feel the impact of that. So when I, when a show like this arrives, which I have to say, I enjoy it, but I never laugh when I watch it. I, I, it's a comedy, but for me, I feel like there are no jokes. Nevertheless, nevertheless, I, I think, I still think it's a good show, but I am sometimes, sometimes I'm a little concerned. I'm like, and it's not respectability politics. It's not the fact that I want these black people to appear different. I'm just sort of like, I don't, should we be making jokes about this? What is not, I think the thing I'm, I'm, I'm finding trouble with is where do you want your humor to be? Because I, I guess what I'm saying is that all of life circumstances come from some sort of neglect of some sort, right? Mm-hmm. I think this, the, the John Stewart issue is John Stewart covered it as news and made news funny. This is a sitcom that is putting a situation and making it funny. So I think that that's where I see the contrast. I did see an early post from a principal though that thought that he felt a certain kind of way about the show. He did feel like there was a heavy dose of mocking that was potentially happening. 
and that of um of satirizing satirizing around like a really serious thing that was going on and and you know all the challenges of the school and it was made sort of laughable but actually weirdly enough i mean the show has is actually using the platform and using the humor to fundraise for schools and do other things so it's like it's actually kind of trying to back into the idea that you could offer up opportunities for um now that i've helped you see and imagine that these institutions or these spaces aren't filled with villainous people it is maybe creating a culture shift in that way and people are opening up their wallets and donating to teachers and donating to classrooms and doing things like that so there is a, also a little bit of that impact there as well i wasn't um, aware i didn't know yeah that, that yeah. part of, i mean i follow I follow Quinta on Twitter and I follow the show on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's some interesting elements there. Um, I, I, I totally get you on the John Stewart thing, but I think what John Stewart did was damage the very idea of what news is supposed to be. I think that was the flaw there. Um, Can I just say, so uh, we, my wife and I have, we've actually been going back and watching early, not just early, like all of the office episodes, we have DVDs mm -hmm. and DVDs. We do. We have. I have DVDs from a long time ago. We have a DVD player still. And I mean, you look at it like Michael Scott, the racist, sexist, sexual harassing things that he. I mean, it is awful, and it is hilarious. And I don't think I don't think anybody walks away from it saying, "Oh, it's just funny when that happens at work." I actually think it highlights how awful it is. But it is freaking hilarious. That's a, but that's show. a fine line. I mean, it is can, a fine line. Can that's we what talk I said about, about? I mean, you walk, they walk up to the line. There's no question about it. I mean, but isn't that a little bit of what black people do? I mean, can we talk about that aspect of black black people coping? Right. Like, yes. a horrible thing will happen. Yes. And black people will be like, oh, no, what are you going to hate about? if they return us to slavery. You yes, I mean? we like, talked about just... this on the pod. We talked about this, about like how black people are so quick to joke about things. That's how we cope, I guess. I uh, mean, you know, or cry if you want to. I guess if you don't laugh, you'll cry your eyes out. Is that the idea? <laughs> I know. And again, maybe I'm, I'm no, precious no, about no. I I'm, you, no, I think fair. I'm too precious about how Abbott Elementary arrives just because, you know, but you worked you in elementary. Up... Stop saying you're too precious. But you've actually worked in. School. I know. I'm. So, yeah. I, that's. I'm thinking that too. And I remember. I'm sure Trisha does too. When you were teaching at that school, I would think you'd be like, "This show is dead on. <laughs> like this show is." Yeah. Exactly but what the, but the thing is that's that. But that's saying. what I'm saying. Like my. Yeah. I was a sixth grade teacher, and mm -hmm. the, my presence in the school, like I didn't. Like there were definitely things that were funny, you know, my kids were funny. We had a good time, but like the fact that they were underfunded, the fact that like I, I dropped a book and I reached behind the bookcase and I grabbed a rat, ugh, you know, the fact that these things are happening, the heat didn't turn on. It wasn't funny. Like it, it was sort of like, I'd look at these kids and I'm being like, well, this is the best that we can do, you know? And then to sort of, so that I look at something like Abbott elementary and like, we're guided to find these things funny. I was like, I, when I was in the classroom, I didn't think it was funny. It was tragic. That was 15 years ago. I still think about those kids and their outcomes. Do you know what I mean? And well, again, I, again, and I'll be the first one to say, and I think I was the first one to say, Abbott Elementary is a comedy, but I, there, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was the first one to say this conversation. But, and so I, so if I'm being too precious, please come for me. But there is something about this topic, I think. What, that, I, I, tell me look, what I, topic. 
can can I just have you clarify what is the topic? Education in our failure as a society to willfully educate all the kids to make a joke of that. I mean, that's kind of the same thing. You're right. That's what the office is about. Because the office is about the failure of the office environment and how tragic that office environment. It is like a Dilbert comic, right? <laughs> it is. It is a Dilbert comic. Dilbert comic. And I think in some ways that's exactly what we were supposed to understand a little bit about elementary school is that our education system is a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, what I would add, I mean, look, I agree with you, Chris. And I, I was in public schools a long time and I, I, I did not find that stuff funny uh, in, in real life. No, no question about it. I think part of what is so appealing, and you two, I think, have both alluded to this about the show, is that you have, I guess, these like four teachers or five teachers that are confronting this stuff head on, right? Like they are doing their best for the kids in spite of all that. And to contradict things I said earlier, you know, the kids are shown to be, you know, they're making progress. They, some of them are brilliant. And so I think that that, that contrast to me makes it palatable that, yeah, th- these are unacceptable conditions that unfortunately we tolerate every day and that's not okay. But you have these really well-intentioned teachers that are working really hard for the students. You have students who are progressing in spite of the challenges. I think that that ameliorates it somewhat. Uh, I guess it's, I mean, you know what I'm left thinking about right now is the early 80s tour de force that was nine to five starring Jane Fonda, Dolly Parton, and Lily Tomlin. <laughs> I watched that movie. Did you watch like, it recently? Uh, it's probably been 10 years since I've okay. seen it. Okay. Uh, that movie is unacceptable in every way, shape, form, and fashion. The sexual harassment uh, in that movie? I, 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 it's <laughs> the fact that, that isn't... people were laughing. You know, but that's the thing because we're we land in a different time. But it makes the it makes a lot of jokes about an office environment, but it takes certain things for granted and immutable, right? And then we laugh along with it. And I, I think about when I watch that as a child, <laughs> as a child watching that, getting instructed about office environments and the fact like, listen, honey, if you want to be in the secretarial pool, you better be okay people touching your ass. <laughs> well, I have to ask you again, this is the thing. This is the thing that you, I think this is why we always come back to this. Yeah. What is the purpose of comedy? I know. Make, God, don't ask that question. The, no, I'm not going <laughs> to ask it. But to make the ultra serious sometimes sublimely ridiculous because it offers it up in high relief and all you can do is laugh at the utter silliness of it because part of what is part of what's useful I think about it is all of these experiences are constructed. Like you could easily construct education a totally different way. And yet we've chosen to construct it in the shittiest way. way possible. And then in high, and then when you put it in a sort of comedic setting, you see it in high relief, right? And you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is dumb, right? And you, I mean, that's a little bit of the laughter for me too, is the sort of ridiculousness of this, right? It's like, how am I yeah. going to assess this? Like, what, like, you know, why would the principal ha- give, be given these limited options limited opportunity. I guess it's it this I mean this is effectively what satire is. Like the show's a satire. And now yeah. that we've been talking, yeah. I understand the difference between what John Stewart was doing with news and yeah. what Quinta Brunson's doing with this show. Like this show is clearly a satire about education where John Stewart was able to muddy the waters to the point where people 
people just watch that as news. As, as news, news, as their yeah. source of news. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not watching this and taking it as education news. As education news. Like I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna making I'm not I'm hoping edu- no one's gonna be making ed policy around it. But I guess they probably will because maybe for some reason they'll decide that kids in these spaces are actually human. Yeah. And actually deserve a to human it may be a humanize them. And maybe 20 years, 30, 40 years from now, we'll look back on this show the way I look back at nine to five, like, oh my, my God. Well, what were actually, the conditions in which we even probably thought? Probably not. Probably oh, not. God, because don't we, say because that. We probably will not have schools in 20 years. So we'll probably be like, remember when we used to send Honey, we, we won't have coastlines in 40 years. <laughs> the ones we're familiar oh, with. I, mean, I know. It's going to be so different. Me. I know. You. It's so bad. <laughs> Uh, I have to say, though, you brought up 90210 before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's funny, like every decade, like when we visit when we visit schooling mm-hmm. over the decades, like before we got started, we were just naming shit shows that took place in schools. Welcome back, Cotter, mm. which if you never heard of that, that's fine. You're young listener. Enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> head of the class. Was that a bad, was that a bad version of school? All I remember about Welcome, Welcome Back, Back Carter. Carter is they were always in the classroom just chit-chatting, right? Pretty much. And, you know, it was John Travolta and I can't remember yeah. the guy who was the teacher. It was just a uh, school. Gabe, in Br- Gabe Kaplan. Yes, yeah, Gabe Kaplan. Ernest, Ernest. Yes. And it was, uh, yeah, it was just a one single classroom in Brooklyn and it was filled with characters. And then head of the class starring Robin Love Gibbons. That. Robin Gibbons. Love that. You know, and then I guess the decade after that was the Saved by the Bell. Saved, Saved by, by the, the bell. bell. Yeah, it's it's interesting. But you know, but the last thing I want to say as I close this out is that you know I, I think Abbott Elementary actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, it lands at a really great time, and I think it's really well done. I really do because I think it is reflective of what the experience is right now for kids in like Center City, Philly, in those sorts of schools. Um, but I'm often like in rounding out this conversation. I often think about some like the 90210s, mm. you know, euphoria and the rest of it. The fantasy that we can tell about high schools and stuff can be really impactful, especially I'm thinking mm. about there was like, you know, there was a group of people who wrote a lot of movies about high schools in the 80s, mm. right? John Hughes films, and the, candles, you yeah. know, a lot of them. Um, and these were people who were sort of reflecting on their own high school experiences 20 years earlier. And when those movies arrived in the culture, right, 80s high school culture shifted towards what the movies were sort of showing us. I'm thinking of Breakfast Club in particular, mm-hmm. which is interesting because the people who wrote it weren't in high school and they weren't actually describing anything that was real. They were describing their own recollections from years before. So they were able to sort of reintroduce something from the 60s into the current 80s. I, I think about that all the time. And especially when we write about schooling, I'm always like, when we write about children, I'm always like, who's writing these stories? Do they know? <laughs> do they know? Does Quentin Brunson know any children? <laughs> anyway, I, I, I'm always interested in that interaction. Well, it's interesting you say that because she actually says like, this is basically inspired by a teacher that she had when she was a kid. So what you're saying is right on. It's, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, 15, 20 years ago that she's remembering. Yeah, she's, she's <laughs> recalling these stories. Yeah. So it's nostalgia. For, for yeah. her. And it's, it's nostalgia for her, but and presented us, in the, well, the right, age, right? depending, we're the right age. we are, we are the right age, you know, but that's interesting. 
All right, let's move on to media recommendations, which is something that you've seen, heard, read, or experienced you think other people should see, hear, read, or experience. Trisha, I love to go with you first because look at you looking into the corners of the room. You don't have one. We do do this every week. You don't have one. Look at you. Nervously, nervously looking around like I'm going to forget you're on the call. Girl, what's your recommendation? Speaking about what have I seen, but you know what? I actually have been seeing a lot of things, but they're all live. So I have to say, um, listeners, I've been really fed by live performance art of late. I, 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 th- I can't seem to process my old tools, which is book reading, anything that's going to take my brain in that way. I can't seem to do that much of anymore. So going into a dark theater, fully masked up and watching a, mu- a musical performance, um, is, is what I've been doing. And so I have to say, I went and I saw Rent, um, the, the so 25th jealous. anniversary of Rent um, this week. And I saw it not just once, but I saw it twice. So I felt one, the first time I saw it and I was really happy to be there, but um, I was too far away. I couldn't get, I couldn't ha- replicate the experience that I was wanting to have, which I will say, since we were talking about thematically nostalgia, my only understanding of Rent is seeing it from the first two rows because that's how I saw it when we lived in New York and we Mm -hmm. would put our name in the lotto Mm -hmm. so I need to see people's facial expressions I need to see everything up close and so I watched it and I was like this was great but this isn't rent I need to get closer so then I I paid and went a second time and you know what's so sad about rent to your point Chris it's still relevant it's eternally relevant we still don't want homosexuals or trans people to die. Yeah. We still don't want people to die from a disease that's preventable. <sighs> and we still struggle with homelessness. Yeah. I mean, like, and all that we have are each other, right? I mean, it's so funny. This past week, I said to somebody, um, we're all we have. No institutions, yep. mm-hmm. no nothing. We're all we have, right? That with, and, and so thank you, Jonathan Larson for putting pen to paper and giving us that wonderful musical. And I, I don't know, do I want it to be resonant five, 10, 15 years from now? I want it to be resonant in the theme of friendship, but I'm hoping the situations will be different. I'm hoping that we will be showing more care. So anyway, I'm just saying, you know what, you may not be able to watch it, but maybe go listen to the soundtrack again. Cause I did come home and listen to that soundtrack. It was fantastic. It's always good. It's really good. It's always good. Um, There's never a moment where that's not great. Okay. Wow. That was, that was pretty strong considering how nervous you were looking two minutes ago. Well, I, you know, I was looking around for the traditional things and I was like, Hey, I just, I just went into live performances all week. What am I doing? Also, it's your show. You can recommend whatever you want. I mean, (laughs) you do cool stuff. I feel like all you have to do is look at your calendar. Like that's what you should look at when you're deciding what to recommend. You are, you know what? Thank you so much. You are very right. I, I didn't want to do the, you know, the fatal, the fatality that you did, Jason, and recommend dentistry. I wasn't going to bring We're it still up. bringing that up. Oh, Dude, honey, four I've seasons later. So much. You know what, then. though? You, you should it. take responsibility for all your choices. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be reminded. <laughs> Jason, what's your recommendation? Well, in a more traditional media recommendation on this show. Okay. <laughs> This past weekend, my wife and I binge watched, which I rarely binge watch anything, but we binge watched the thing about Pam. 
And as so many other things, I wanted to not like it. And I loved it. It was so good. It is, um, it's a series. It's uh, about the true story of a, a woman in Missouri who, uh, it's not really who done it. So I don't think I'm spoiling when I say this, because you kind of know it from the beginning. She brutally murders a close friend for money and does a whole lot of work to try to cover it up and succeeds for a period of time. And it is, it is just, it's a true story. And you watch like, this is bananas that someone mm-hmm. would do this, that the police in this case would be so inept as to be uh, unable to uncover it. Renee Zellweger is fantastic in, in the acting. She also, I think, was executive producer. Um, and last thing I'll say about it. So it's like partly a Dateline production. And what's interesting, and you see this in it, is that Dateline was was looking into this story when it when she had not been found guilty. And, and they, I guess, were responsible for kind of exposing a lot of it. And she like went after them pretty aggressively. In some ways, I think, and I've never seen anything like this before, it's a revenge uh, an act of revenge by a news show dateline against this person. That's kind of what it is. And it's fascinating in that way. It's like a Peter Thiel moment though. Yeah. It's, it's a little terrifying. I mean, the, na- <laughs> the narrator is a, is a dateline presenter. Yeah, that's a little terrifying. But... It's a little crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <clears throat> My recommendation is a movie called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once Oh yes. is starring Michelle Yeoh. And the movie is hard to describe, but I will try. It is about a, a Chinese family who runs a laundromat and is a mother, a father, and their uh, young adult daughter. And the, the laundromat's behind its taxes. They have to go in and talk to Jamie Lee Curtis, who's like the tax person. And then things get weird. Um, the main character, Evelyn, is ushered into an adventure where she has to traverse the multiverse and visit different versions of herself uh, to save the multiverse. It's wild. It's high fiction. It's high science fiction. It's ridiculous. But you know the thing that I love about it, and it's the same thing I love about Rent, is that at the center of the story regardless of whether it's about multiverses and jumping from person to person, universe to universe, at the center of the story is a very sweet, very moving story about a mother and a daughter and what it means to connect to each other in a universe that is constantly shifting. And I laughed, I bawled, um, and I left being reminded that Michelle Yeoh is an absolute goddess who does not get enough flowers. The movie was brilliant. I mean, there's so much going on in it. And, you know, there's a lot of Kung Fu sequences, a lot of action. Um, I'm not even sure if all that makes sense, but it's really a heart wrenching tale, which I think we can all really look at and take something away from. I I have to say, after seeing that movie, like, (laughs) I don't want to say it's changed my life, but my perspective has really shifted on the choices that I'm making. Um, and I don't want to give any, I don't want to give too much away. So I won't <laughs> go see everything <laughs> everywhere all at once. <laughs> you won't regret it. You won't regret I, it. I was on the fence as to whether to see it. And now I feel like you've pushed me over. I, you know what? You're going to see it. And you're going to be like, what? But you'll get it. Like at the end, it's just about what does it mean for us to reach out to each other? What does it mean for us to create our own meaning? 
and our own happiness. What does that mean? How do we do that? Is it worthwhile and valuable? Let's find out. Go see the movie. Yeah. So people, that's all we got. That's all we got. I love that for us. God, we're so good at this. So uh, (laughs) does anyone have any great plans this weekend? Jason, I was supposed to come down to DC, but uh, sorry about it. That was, you send me this text, like, I'm coming down. Are you available? And then as soon as I open my calendar. Three minutes later. Never mind. Why? What happened? I'm I'm traveling. I'm going to, I'm going to be in Maryland. Uh, but I have to be in Rhode Island the next day, so I can't uh, stay over. Yeah. <laughs> so that's just that's the life I'm leading. Uh, and on that note, everybody, bye. Bye.